Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining us. Hi, I'm here today with H.T. Tran, who is a veteran and a, the founder of DNW Ventures, a, an organization which is going to be involved in many things, I believe, but right now is working on a developing franchise called Mahana Fresh. And we're going to ask him all about that and find out so much more about the franchise world as well as all of his other opportunities. But we want to start with his background because it's fascinating. And uh, HD, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Amanda. It's nice to uh, speak with you again. I know it's been a very long time. I'm really looking forward to talking to uh, 100 Entrepreneurs podcast audience, you know, because, you know, I think this is a very big and growing um, community of, of veteran entrepreneurs where I think, you know, we have the the skills to run a successful business. So I, I'm really excited about this. And I'm hoping that, you know, during our conversation today that, you know, if I can help out one veteran, you know, kick off and say, you know what, I can't work that nine to five job anymore. I'm going to go ahead and go on this adventure. I, you know, I, I would be ecstatic. Oh, that's great. Well, H.C., tell us about your background. How did you get here? How did I get here? Well, you know, it, it, it's been a long journey. Um, you know, I, I enlisted into the Army in 2006 after receiving my uh, business marketing degree uh, in 2003. You know, m- multiple things have happened along that time, but I just felt like it was a calling to go into the military. And then I enlisted. Um, I didn't go the officer route, and I, made it, I was part of the 10th Mountain Division, um, 1st Combat uh, Brigade. I was with the uh, 2nd Battalion, 22nd Infantry Regiment. And then mm-hmm. 2008, while serving in Iraq, I was severely injured, um, supporting a SOCOM um, mission. Uh, we were known as the uh, Black Patchers, um, supporting the the uh, Special Ops guys. And, and then I landed at Walter Reed, and I spent 15 months there with Walter Reed. And then that's when I had the honor of meeting um, yourself and, and, and Bob, and, you know, the funny, the funny part about this conversation, because Bob and I always talk about it, was that he was truly mentoring my captain. And I felt like it was still my job to make sure that my captain was doing okay. So we were both injured together. And, you know, we, you know, I was escorting my captain from place to place. And I just, you know, was like a, you know, like a, a bug on, on a wall, just kind of listening in. And then... I remember Bob telling me before I left, and he's like, you know, you ask some pretty good questions. You know, you should, you're going to be a business owner one day. And I, I remember telling Bob, I'm like, yeah, right. I'm going to go back. And then, I, you know, I was an infantry sergeant, so I'm like, I'm going to go back and join a law enforcement uh, agency, you know. And needless to say, you know, like two, three years after having, two years, about two years after that conversation, I did call Bob and say, okay, Bob, you know, you, you intrigued me with that conversation. And he always checked up on me after I left the hospital. And, and uh, inquired about starting a, a construction company and, you know, if he had any contact 
And that's how Anvil Builder, my first venture started was, you know, was basically my mission was because I had, was receiving a lot of these phone calls from the guys that I served with after the incident of what had happened to me. A lot of these guys, you know, decided they weren't going to be um, career soldiers anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, they were going through some tough times, some tough transitions, you know, and that night was a heavy night for all of us, you know, and, yeah. and so then when they left, you know, a lot of them lost their jobs, got divorced or was, you know, um, addicted to certain substances and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I always felt like I owed these guys. I was in debt to my guys for saving my life. Obviously, you know, God's with God's grace that, you know, I'm still alive today and I'm very thankful for that. And, you know, I, I, I told, I told Bob, I said, you know, I'm working for a big defense contractor, but I just feel like I'm just like a, uh, a rat running around a maze. Cause it was like, literally if you walk into the building, it was just nothing but cubicles, you know, but it was mm-hmm. such a great opportunity because I got to see the federal contract contracting side of things. And I was just like, you know, there's just not enough to fulfill what these companies are trying to do to help elevate uh, veteran businesses or veteran entrepreneurs, you know, and they're, 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 they're really looking around, but they, but there's not enough of us to fulfill what, what, what's required from them when they go bid on, on federal work. And so I had looked at that for a while and, and decided. And so when I reached out to Bob, you know, to set up this company, I didn't, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, you know, when I set up Anvil Builders, it was one of those things where like, you know, here we go. I put every, every cent that I had in my account to start this thing. And it was, it was an amazing journey because I, I uh, Bob helped me, um, introduced me to two of my, my former business partners, mm-hmm. uh, great guys. And, you know, with different backgrounds. So I have one business partner who is very big and, and, and business. The other one was big in, in construction. My, my expertise, you know, what we all learn from the army is you learn how to deal and manage teams in different manners, you know, in different techniques and different ways of doing things or approaching the problem in, in a different situation. And the three of us worked out very well. Well, with a, you know, being 51% owner of the uh, construction company, you know, we couldn't put infuse any more money. All I had was $5,100 left in my bank account. And I said, you know, oh, what? Wow. I was talking to my wife. Yeah. I, I talked to my wife and my, my wife was like, look, it's $5,100. We, you know, we can work it and save it back up. But if you don't do this, you're going to regret it, you know? And, and at that point mm-hmm. at the second chance of life, you know, you, you know, you don't really look at life and be like, Hey, I, I can't, you already know you can't regret anything in life, you know? And so we made the decision that, you know, let's go ahead and roll the dice. Right. And with a $10,000 infusion over uh, literally short of a decade, we were able to grow that company out to $60 million in gross revenue. And that, you know, and wow. I always, people are always infatuated with the $60 million. It's not $60 million that I received into my bank account, but gross revenue is basically, we grew it from nothing to, to, to an annual revenue of $60 million. And that took a lot of work, a lot of trust, a lot of personal relationships, a lot of problems, you know, you grow and, and, you, and you move on. Um, and so that was, that was quite a, an adventure, quite a journey. Um, how many employees the most, did you have? Oh, uh, we started off with the three, first, first three, uh, was uh-huh. just us three business partners. Uh, by the time I left the company or sold the, my shares back to my business partners, 
we were about 150 to somewhere between 165. We were a union shop, so, you know, numbers fluctuate uh, yeah. varying from project to project. But that was the baseline. It was probably more like 150 employees. Wow. You know, I would have never imagined that. Honestly, people ask me all the time, like, you know, how did you plan that out? I said, honestly, I didn't plan anything. I literally, yeah. you know, you take the situation that you're, you're – the cards that you're dealt with and you – you play your hand, you know, and you take a risk. And I, I, I tell uh, other veteran entrepreneurs that I, that I mentor, and I'm like, honestly, you know, with the skills that we have from the military, your management skills, your communication skills, it's very clear cut, right? And mm-hmm. it's all about risk management. And a lot, a lot of times they're like, what do you mean risk management? I said, you know, when we were in the military, we did risk management every day, every day. And especially if you were overseas and you were deployed, Risk management mm-hmm. was always uh, based on the decisions you made every day to get your team prepared, you get your team ready to go, you know, you review things, and then you execute, right? And I said I did the same exact thing. I honestly ran the company like I was running a military operation. And I ran it that mm-hmm. way, and, you know, and it grew. And it, but I think one of the things, you know, if I was to talk to – I always tell my other uh, veteran entrepreneurs is, like, Never start a business and expect to hit a grand slam. That's not how the way. Some, I mean, you, you know, there's, one, there's always that one or two companies uh, that, that can do that. And if you're comparing yourself to that, you're going to put yourself in a world of misery. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a slow process. It's a growing process. If somewhere along the journey, if you don't ask yourself, like, why the hell am I doing this? Then you probably haven't hit uh, the, the most crucial lessons that you need to do that you need to learn while running your business, you know, and we had a lot of, Oh no moments or Oh shh moments, you know, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we had to work yeah. it out, you know, and we're trained to, I think as military members, we're trained to deal with that kind of adversity, you know? I mean, I don't think there's anything more, um, how would I say this? more high risk than dealing with your life, your life. And then the, the, the lives that are, are, are to the left, to the right. I mean, there's, mm. I mean, you can lose all the money in the world, but, but life is, you, you handle that a little bit differently. And I think we all have that skill of, of managing that risk, you know, and, and if you can peel back the situation, I mean, that's how I learned and how I grew up the business. It was just, you know, we, we would, we would plan, we would prepare, and then we would execute. And if we made the wrong decisions, you just, you know, you come up with your contingency plan and you move forward. And, you know, and that was my journey with Animal Builders. It's, it's one of those things that was very fortunate um, that all the stars lined up, you know, and now I'm on my mm-hmm. second ventures, which is uh, DNW Ventures. And I took that as uh, the DNW stands for Deeds Not Words, which was my uh, infantry battalion's motto, uh, which mm-hmm. means a lot to me. You know, it's, for me, it's a way of life, right? And um, it, so I, on the second venture, this is what we're doing, and I'm engaging with a franchise called Mahana Fresh. And mm-hmm. so far, you know, I mean, different experiences. One, the last one I was in construction, this one I'm in food, and, you know, I'm dealing with different types of scenario, but it's been a fun ride, you know. I mean, it's taken me almost 18 months to two years to get at this point of uh, – uh, of this venture to where we're at. We're, we're looking for grand opening here and sometime in either late December or middle of January, depending on how construction goes. But uh, mm-hmm. Mahana Fresh is a fresh, healthy food bowl concept. 
If you can just imagine Chipotle as you go down the line, you pick and choose what you want and you put in your bowl. Well, this is kind of a similar concept as in service-wise, you do the same thing. However, we're, we're, with Mahana Fresh, it's, it's a little bit different because we're not just giving you the typical base. Normally when I say base, it's like, you know, they offer you rice, brown rice, bowl of lettuce. Ours mm-hmm. is going to be very creative. We're going to offer cauliflower rice, you know, forbidden rice, uh, glass mm-hmm. noodles, you know, just very health-conscious type of um, uh, movement here. And basically what we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to sell a lifestyle. And then uh, as you go down the line, you pick the proteins. There's like five or six different proteins that we, you know, that we have selected, which is like it involves steak, chicken, uh, shrimp, or, or some type of seafood, you know, pokey, you know, kind of that in that range. And mm-hmm. then, you move down the line, one more down the line, you got like fresh uh, roasted vegetables that come in of different concepts to add to your bowl, but it's all healthy and it's supposed to be health conscious to, you know, to any diet that pretty much that you're, you're engaging with, which is either keto, vegan, pescatarian. I mean, I mean, there's so many different variations and I, and I love that, you know, and the, you know, people are asking me like, why did you go from construction to food? I said, you know, <laughs> I am a food fanatic myself. And I, I've always had this passion about it, and, and this was an opportunity that came, uh, that came uh, across my way. But probably a familiar face with with 100 entrepreneurs was uh, Faizun Kamal, and you know her and I talked, and we were connected by Bob. I was telling him like, you know, it's something about food, and this is my philosophy philosophy with food is that food is is the middle ground for any kind of resolution, right? I mean, it opens up doors. It brings you into other cultures. It's very engaging, right? And I always, I always use food as a resolution tool. I said, you know, if you're upset at each other or you, there's some sort of business difference, if you can sit at a table and share a meal together and have mm-hmm. a conversation, 50%, at least 50% of your problems have already been resolved. You've come to some sort of understanding and now you're moving into the next step of compromise. And mm-hmm. I just love that about food, you know, and not only that, but promoting a, a healthier lifestyle for the gener- for this particular generation where, you know, we're health fanatics, you know, everything that's put in your body, we have to know exactly what it is, you know, whether it's fuel, whether it's not good for your body, you know, and, it, and it's exciting to see that because it's really going to change and affect the generation's not this generation, but maybe the next generation, the generation after, because we're, we're given better options to, to, uh, for a better environment for our bodies, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that venture, and that's how I engage in that. But, you know, um, people always, so, you know, there's this. So, so you, when I remember when you were at, at the hospital at Walter Reed, you and I had a little side conversation, and I asked you what kind of business you were interested in. This was before you went to work for the government contractor. And your comment was, I want to open a restaurant overlooking the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> so yes, you haven't yes. gotten too far from that. <laughs> Although you, you know, don't it's, it's, the Pacific Ocean anymore, right? I'm surprised you remember that story because, you know, I always, I always <laughs> thought, you know, when I opened a restaurant, it was going to be – my retirement um, job that I can enjoy and have fun with. But knowing, you know, knowing that, you know, I actually had that business plan as a senior in high school. And I, you know, I always add on to it. I know the name. I know how the way the restaurant's supposed to look. 
I just didn't think that I, you know, would get into the food industry this at this juncture in my life, you know, but it's, it brings peace to me though, because I think, you know, when, especially when I'm meeting with other veterans, you know, we're all, we're always so timid with each other because you don't, you know, yeah, I wouldn't say sizing it up, but we're also kind of like, there's walls, right? And as soon as you sit down and you share a meal, it brings people together, you know, I mean, food mm-hmm. does that. You know, and it's it laughter, you'll see, you'll, see, you'll see sadness, you'll see tears, you'll see joy. I mean, it, gives you, it really truly is one of those rare industries. If you execute it right, you, you'll, you'll see all the, the flavors of life. You know what I mean? That's just kind of, that's the way I view it. I mean, you know, and, you know, for someone that, who thinks is, mm-hmm. you know, who's dealing with PTSD or transitional issues, food is always a good common ground to, to kind of start a conversation about many different things, you know? Yeah. So, so you're not just opening one mana fresh franchise. You're doing much more than that. Can you describe what your plans are with this franchise? Yeah. You know, so when I, when I started DNW, um, and this was uh, establishing this before I even engaged Mahana fresh, you know, I wanted to do something exciting. My goal is, is I want to retire by the time I'm 55, and I want to be able to spend time to travel, watch my kids, go to college. Uh, you know, I just turned 40 this year, and I said, I got 15 years to make this happen so I can retire and enjoy, just enjoy life. You know, especially being a veteran, too, you, you know, and after serving and, and, you know, being blown up in Iraq in, in 2008, you just know your life is on, a, on your life is, it's kind of like on a TikTok, uh, and, it, and it, it's really, you know, the second chance of life is really a blessing. You don't really know when you're going to get called up again to, you know, to, to heaven. So, you know, I always look at it. I'm like, I, I have to enjoy what I have. And that was the basis of DMW was to make, take my capital investment that I, 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 I had with animal builders and create something where I can be more, um, be more with the family, be, to do the things that, that matter, that count. You know, one of my biggest philosophy, and if, if, if anyone who's listening to this, if you're listening to the whole entire hour of this podcast or however long it is, and the only thing you get out of this, and it's just a statement, is don't chase the money. You know, I, was, I didn't start Animal Builders to chase the money. I started it to help out my guys, you know, and give them an opportunity to work for an employer that understands them. And the co- none of my guys came to work for me because they didn't like the state of California. And now I'm in Texas and I'm starting this venture. Um, I left Animal Builders for a quality of life. I was, I mean, it was a great, successful uh, a journey, and but it took a lot of time away from my family. Mm-hmm. And when I engaged Phase in, I said, I'm not doing that again. I said, I, I love all the success that came with it, but it, it came with a sacrifice. You know, I mean, I had my son in 2012, um, and I felt like I missed a lot of his, his upbringing, you know, his school moments, his, you know, taking him to school, doing all the little things that, that mom got to do. And then my daughter was born in 2017, and that shook up my whole entire world. You know, and mm. my friends always make fun of me. It's like, it's because you have your princess now. So all of a sudden you're making these changes. I said, well, no, I, I thought about it for a very long time. It was just a matter of when the right time to leave was, right? And, you know, and as a, an entrepreneur in California, I mean, anyone who lives in California understands is, you know, you work so hard, but your money goes nowhere. You know, I couldn't own mm. a home. I couldn't do anything like that. 
So oh, when yeah. I sold Anvil, yeah, you know, when I sold Anvil Builders, I told my wife, I'm like, we have to move out of state and I need to set up DNW so that I can do the things I can invest in things or do things that matter to me. And so when I engage mm-hmm. Mahana Fresh, it's one of the things where, you know, I don't, I don't want to work in the business. I want to work mm-hmm. on the business. So that was one of the things I talked to Faith Noon about. And I said, look, I need to be able to work from home. I need to be very flexible. I'm not missing out any moments, you know, and which is moving to Texas and coming here and establishing this. I've been able to do everything that I wanted to do with my family. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I am going to continue to do that, even with all this. Uh, I'm obligated as an area developer for Mahana Fresh to open up 30 stores. So, but that's 30. not just me opening 30, yeah, 30 units. Um, mm-hmm. Part of that is to recruit some uh, investors or entrepreneurs or someone who wants to get into the franchising business to, to grow in the Austin, Texas, or the San Antonio area, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, I also met with my business partner too, who we were friends in high school and he's like, what are you doing now? And then he, him and I had like multiple conversations like a year and a half before I even left Anvil. And he's like, the next time you start up another venture, you know, um, let me know. Well, I didn't think anything of it. And, he, and now here we are, but I think this franchising business is a very good way to break through into the business world, you know, okay. and, you know, because I think with a franchise model, everything is, is planned out and built for you already. Right. I mean, and there, there's a structure that's, that's built, um, and you, you invest into it, and they'll train and guide you on what you need to do. And after that, it's just a matter of you managing it or you working in it, right? And those are mm-hmm. the two roads that split once you make that decision. Um, I chose a franchise because it's one of those things where I didn't have to start from ground up. But then I also chose a franchise that was a brand-new concept, which, yeah. uh, which I love because it gives me the flexibility to give input, Right. But not only that, mm-hmm. but I took on a role as an area developer because one of my personal missions is to build a team of entrepreneurs who are going to engage in Mahana Fresh. I can help mentor them on their first venture and grow out the biz- at their own business and portfolio, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of the reason why I was so attracted to Mahana Fresh. But not only that, but one of the most important things, if anyone's ever interested in it, and, you know, if you're interested in Mahana Fresh, you know, please reach out to me. But just in franchising in general, one of the most important things I think uh, in the franchising uh, industry is personal relationships. And knowing who you are dealing with is probably the most important. So when I, before I even engaged Mahana Fresh, I had, like, you know, read some of the stuff that Faizun sent me. I looked at it, and then I had bios of the founder. But what I went to go do after that, I did it how every other way every other military person would have done. I went to go gather intel. I gathered as much mm-hmm. intel as I could. I Googled it. I called around. I said, what do you know about this person? You know, my business partner and I, we had these conversations. It literally took us like three or four months before we said, hey, you know, we would love to go uh, meet with the team. It's called Meet the Team Day. And then we met with the team. Uh, once I was able to sit down and, meet and talk to the founders, you know, I was like, this is it. I want to partner up with these guys with my business venture, become their area developer, and, and, and make this happen, help them grow out the franchise, and then also, 
you know, mentor and build a team. Cause that's where my, I think where really my enjoyment is, is, is watching other people become successful. The way I, I mm-hmm. always describe this is like, you know, you know, you always want to climb that mountain, but if you're climbing by yourself and you reach to the top and you look down, there's probably about a hundred people pointing fingers at you. And then probably most likely, uh, what, you know, us young people would say hating on you because you're, you're successful, you know, because they don't know how to get there. But if you can help guide people and mentor people and lift them up to, up to the mountaintop, when you, when you, when we all, when we reach there together, there'll be a party up top. It doesn't matter who's looking, <laughs> you know, who's looking up to you, you know, and then you climb up the next mountain, but you do the same thing. You're, you know, it's like passing a forward, you know, and you're elevating their game. You're elevating your game as well too, because now when you reach the top, you have people to conversate about your, your success and your failures. And I think, you know, people always, when they, well, especially Bob, when Bob talks about me, he talks about my success, but I prefer to talk about the failures because it's a roadmap to how to get to that next success. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's been my mindset, you know, and that's maybe that's a, that's a grunt mindset, but that's how the way I was trained you know, and, mm-hmm. and that's how the way I look at, at life now, you know, and, and I enjoy the blessings of success. But at the same time, I'm always going to be like, how can I do this? Or, you know, how can I be better? What can I do? And, and it's always good to have that, that climbing the mountain type of mentality, but bring other people with you though, you know, and that's exactly what I'm doing here. And that's one of the reasons why I love 100 entrepreneurs. It's a community of people starting at the same place, and trying to climb that mountaintop together. There's no better way for me to describe 100 entrepreneurs than, than that. That's great. Now, when you, you moved to Texas, you, so you moved your family there and to Austin, I think. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So you're in Texas, and you have a new business and a new home, new place, new city. You're going to open 30 restaurants in the next a couple of years. Ten years. Is that right? Ten years. Ten years. So thirty yeah. restaurants, and how much territory will will they cover? Uh, this will cover um, the Austin area and the San uh-huh. Antonio area. Oh, okay, great. And yeah. how? You, that's a lot of people you're going to be bringing with you because that's thirty uh, franchisees or or thirty managers, maybe, but maybe some of each, maybe. Yeah, so you know, right. so the game plan between my business partner and I was was you know we, you know I could have thirty investors and a team of thirty, but then uh-huh. how do you split your time, right? I mean, it's about building relationships. That's one of the most sure. important things in business is building relationships. And so my business partner and I were talking. We could go find it, and you know that's kind of our our obligation is to build that to build that way. And some people will probably approach it that way. But what I'm really looking for, and I said ideally, if we can get 10 to 15 people and then help them grow their first unit and then have them take their, their profitability and then grow out the second unit and the third unit. Now you're just building a portfolio where you're, you're mm-hmm. over time growing the business. Right. And at some point, you know, the goal is always to some point, you know, I and mean, I've seen a lot of restaurant business where the owners end it every day. And it's like, you're losing, you're, you're sacrificing more than, than the amount of money you're making. So I don't think money rules all right. And so, and basically what you're looking for, the reason why you started this was for quality of life. And if you're in there the whole entire time, that's not the way to go. And so we were talking 
that if we can get 10 to 15 investors who are willing to go through this journey, and let me tell you, and it's not an easy journey, you know, because mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot in the beginning, you're seeing a lot of money go out before the store is built. But then mm-hmm. if you train your team, you have a connection with your team and that's growing, you'll, you'll start to see that return of investment back. That ROI is very important, right? But then mm-hmm. that return of investment as well too is, is with time with, with your loved ones, your spouse, your significant other, whoever it is, you know, you're, you're building that back on, on the back end of things. But the first two years, three years of, of, of entering this, you just got to know, hey, you know what, it's going to be lights out. You know, you're going to go as fast as you can and you're going to build this out and you're going to have to make some tough decisions and what are you going to sacrifice? And the biggest sacrifice is really time because even when people talk about loss with money, it's almost mm-hmm. like life and death, and it's like it's not life and death. And if you're a veteran, you understand that more than 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 anybody else will, you know, um, because money you can always make back. Time and time in life, you only get one shot at. You, you know, so very true, very true. Yeah. So so the um, so for example, you're opening your first store. Is that in Austin, by the way? Your first yes, that's ten minutes oh, away from my house. So super excited about oh, that. Oh, great! That's right. I have a son and soon-to-be daughter-in-law who live in Austin, so I have to send them your way. Um, yeah, yeah. I would love to have them for my grand opening. <laughs> there you go. But um, but but so it's taken how long to build out the first restaurant? Would you say? Once you um, once you pick a place, because that, there's, that's complicated, right? Picking out the, the right yes, location. Yes. No. You as the franchisee have to be able to walk into a space and say, "Hey, you know," and feel good about, like, "Hey, this is this is right for me." You know, and it's, it's like it's like finding an apartment, finding a home. It has to be the right one. And not only that, but a lot of factors go into it. It's just not. It's just not aesthetics or anything like that, but it's also location, location, location. You have to do a lot of research. And with the great thing about a franchising concept is that it comes with the resources to help you find a place. You know, mm-hmm. so when I when I engage with Mahana Fresh, they already had a commercial real estate person lined up and ready to go. It was just a matter of connecting the um the resources together and then mm-hmm. going out and getting a listing and look. And honestly, I'm going to have to give some props to a gentleman by the name of John Bolson. Um, he was very, very good. He was in my commercial real estate. And, and he, every single time we went to go look at places, he was the driver. He drove me wherever I needed to go, take a look at it, gave me all my intel. We worked very well together. You know, he was like, hey, you know, this is how many people pass through uh, this street every day. And you look at all, you, know, you analyze it together, and you, know, you eventually become a team. And that's the great thing about the franchising concept is that they have a commercial real estate, and when you do your build-out, they have the, the equipment supplier. You're not having to do all this research. So you're saving some time on the front end of that, too. The problem, mm-hmm. the, I think the one thing that people don't like about franchises is because, you know, before you even start anything, you're paying all this money to the franchising, right? But it's a cost of doing mm-hmm. business. And I want people to understand that because it's, you know, if, if you spent the same amount of time to do it, you would probably set your scheduling, your planning back a good, at least a good year or two, right? But when you do a franchise, there are certain obligations the franchise has for you to give you these resources, the training. So when we get closer, when the build-out is almost complete or almost done, the trainer from the business will come out, evaluate the place, 
and then they'll help you with the hiring. They'll help you with the training. And obviously, you're going to be there no matter what. So because this is going to be your team, you're going to be out there. You're, you know, you're going to sort through all this. And then they go through the prepping, the, the operations with you and how you do it. And they're out there with you. And then they help set up the grand opening. Um, and I, I just think, you know, one of those things that just caught my attention was, was on how the franchisor engaged us, right? I mean, during this whole entire process, I wasn't expecting the founder of the franchise to be with me through this whole entire process. I was expecting to cut them a check and then they send their, you know, their people out and I'm dealing with that. John Thomas of Mahana Fresh was with me every single time I went to go look at real estate. And that's a rare mm-hmm. thing to find. And so when you're looking for a franchise, I'm going to say it again, personal relationships and knowing who you're dealing with, it's very important. Don't just go cut a check because, you know, it's a McDonald's or it's a, you know, in and out or wherever it is. And then, and then expect for things to be, to be done set. You still have to put in work. You still have to do your research, but know who you're dealing with before you cut that check, you know? And, and I just, I did a lot of homework on the front end of, of who these guys were and why they were doing it. You know, on Meet the Team Day, I asked a lot of questions, you know, and I'm like, why are you doing this? Particularly, you know, with your successful background, you should be retired. And you'll, you'll come to realize that once you start that entrepreneur journey, mm-hmm. it's almost like I'm, I'm saying I want to retire 55. I, I'll be honest with you, my wife doesn't even think I can relax <laughs> that well. So I might not retire 55, but I, in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, I can do whatever I you know, I'm, I'm set to do whatever I want to do, but I'm pretty sure I'll, I'll have other investments to work on, you know, and DNW for DNW ventures. This is the first, um, this is the first investment in, into our company that we're doing or that we're partnering with. Eventually Texas is a growing state. Um, and there's a lot of opportunities. Eventually DNWs will build other pillars in the company, as, such as in developing land, because you know, I have some. I obviously have a, some construction background. When do you get back yeah. into that stuff? We, you know, we yeah. have management, you know, and investments like helping out other small business. You know, we have a model for that that we haven't rolled out yet, but eventually it will be rolled out. Where you know, a small business is like, hey, you know, I need help. Can you help elevate our business? We'll send the team in. You know, we're my business partner and I are working on that. Where we would help um, come up with the strategy and help you grow your business, you know, and we would help monitor it. And, you know, I mean, it's still in the works, but there's many things that we want to do um, mm-hmm. before we, before I retire. That's great. That's great. So 30 Mahana Fresh and then of course other businesses, but, uh, but it, it's an int- very important point you made about the team that you're working with at Mahana Fresh is helping you do what you need to do, get it, giving you the intel and so forth so that it's cutting down on the time frame before your business opens. And then when your business opens, it takes a while to get the business to return, you know, on the investment. <clears throat> so it, speed is important in this, right? Yes. Yes. You know, yeah. it's, it's you, you, you know, there's, it's going to take um, a lot of patience, a lot of work on your end, you know, to build, you know, and knowing that, but, you know, I mean, just like, you know, when you go to an expo and you, you meet all these franchises, you know, that's what you're looking into, you know, everyone's going to say they're the best, but it's, it's up mm-hmm. to you to find out and figure out if they are really the best. Don't just take the word for it. And any kind of business all across the industry, whether it's franchising, construction, whatever it is, you know, 
make sure you know who you're truly dealing with before you deal with them, you know? And I was, you know, one of the, one of the things that my business partner likes to make fun of me is I'm really good at saying no. I'll say no to, I'll say probably at least 99 no's before you'll hear a yes out of me. And, you know, for God bless his soul, cause he's a very patient man, but you know, and that's how the way, that's the way I, I do things. You know, I want to make sure I know because at the end of the day, your success is really your own accountability. You know, and, I mean, you determine that. And success is kind of a funny word because it's one of those things. And how do you measure success? And a lot, most mm-hmm. of the time, society will tell you your success is measured by, by, by money. That's the most common answer that I've heard. Uh, but it's really determined by you, you know, and where you, you know, my, my definition of success is my quality of life, you know, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, but I can always do better. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. So wh- what does a franchise give you? I mean, they, there are, they, they've helped you in terms of deciding where to put your store, your first store and probably all the stores going after this. Um, and then they helped you with defining the market and how many people would be uh, walking by and, and you know, eating there. Which is great, and and they've um, they've helped you with the build out in terms of selecting uh, plumbers and so forth and so on. But what about uh, things like uh, systems? You know, IT systems. Because you really need to manage a business, knowing a lot of information about the day to day. Pardon me, of the business. And uh, what about marketing and things like that? Do they do some of that for you as well? So they, it, it's really the franchise's responsibility, and you all have your own responsibility, too, to market your own particular unit in your particular area, but they'll have a national campaign or they'll have a, you know, a state campaign, you know, depending on how big the franchise is, uh, of how they want to market their business. So a lot of these things like operations, all that stuff, you know, and marketing, they, they will have that already established. Right. So, but mm-hmm. once again, you got to remember, I chose a, I chose a concept that, that was brand new where they're in development. I like that. Cause I want to put, I, I am able to put in my own input, but I listen, we're going to use McDonald's as an example, right? It's a million dollars to get into the business, right? If you're going to buy into a McDonald's, it's going to take you a million dollars up front. Right. And you go through, mm-hmm. once you pay into that, you're right. You have to go find a place, right. Before operational training and marketing and all that happens once you find a place construction starts right so now there's more cost added on to this by the time the build out is done now you're getting ready into operations and marketing and mm-hmm. they'll come out they'll send the team out they'll train with you they'll train your staff you know it's not you you they're they're right next to you and that's what i like about the franchise concept majority of these franchises will have a team come out i call it almost like a a special division that will come out and, 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 and sit at your, at your unit with you and help you walk through the process to make sure you're good. They're not going to leave you until the grand opening the store, but you've already had like a month's worth of dry runs to make sure, right? And then they'll do what they call, you know, a, um, family and friends night before the big grand opening to kind of get mm-hmm. the staff working, kind of get up and running and making sure everything is they're able to, to um, see how the systems are running. I mean, all the IT stuff, the marketing, that's all part of what you're paying into, right? Mm-hmm. And be very well aware when you read your, your franchising uh, disclosure documents, 
is that what type of percentage are you paying the franchise every month? Because you're paying into all this. So it's, it's a paid resource rather than you having to figure it out yourself or resolve a problem. Now you have someone that you can just pick up the phone and call them and be like, hey, I'm having these issues. But, there, but it comes with a fee. So, for example, on Marhana Fresh, you know, I'm not allowed to disclose exact numbers, sure. but you pay a percent, percentage of your gross revenue every month to the franchise. And that's basically saying, Hey, we're using your name. You know, you got your systems and operations in place. We're using that system. We're doing this. And basically all you're doing is you're, you're running your, you're running your show. You run your show mm-hmm. at, your, at your particular location and you're paying for it. Everything is established, but you got to remember every franchise is different. I'm just telling you to you from the Mahara uh, fresh perspective of things, which has mm-hmm. been, has been totally awesome. You know? So, you know, and it's, I can tell you right now, running DNW is completely night and day with, with an anvil. At, at anvil, everything was at the, it was pretty much my feet were at the edge of the, of the cliff all the time, hmm. you know, because hmm. I didn't know where to go. No, I couldn't pick up the phone and be like, hey, you know what? My company's not doing well. Can you help me out? There were certain resources I can go to, but no one, no one had that, um, bought interest in to say, hey, you know, you need to do it this way. At least in a franchising concept, that's there for you. That's why you pay into them. Because if you have a problem, you pick up the phone and you say, hey, these are my problems. They'll help you resolve it there and then. You have someone to go to. It's a security blanket you're paying into, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, you know, I didn't want to start another business from ground up, um, uh, at least on my first partnership with, with DNW, to be ground up. So I... I started a company to manage this, this partnership, but the, the work is, it's pretty, there, there is a roadmap for you to follow so that you can operate at a very high level. That's great. Well, you really have uh, done amazing things as, as uh, some of the people who come to a hundred entrepreneurs classes have found out <laughs> because Bob does describe this sometimes, but uh, the, um, You've done amazing things, and uh, you've done an amazing turnaround. Not everybody does construction and food in a lifetime. That's pretty exciting. Uh, and I, um, I love the fact that you've got a map here of 30 locations, so you, you know you're going to be busy for 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is great. So any other advice you'd like to give our listeners? You know, I, 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 I would say for, for veterans is to be, um, be very, 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 very patient with the process. It's not, uh, it should not be a race. It should be a journey, right? Do your homework. Mm-hmm. Don't, you know, meet the people that you're about to engage if you're going to go into franchising or any business, as a matter of fact. Even that, and I also include business partners. Make sure that you guys connect or make sure that you feel comfortable enough to engage in doing business, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this again because I, I said it earlier. Whatever you do, don't chase the money. And I'm going to tell you why. I didn't explain it before. I'm going to explain it now. The problem with a lot of entrepreneurs is that they see that, that flash of green and they start running towards it. It's great. The first time you run it, you, you, you know, it's like going down an alley. The first time you chase after it, the, the light is still there. You can come back to it. But 
you know, when you go down that dark alley, you start losing a little bit of yourself or he's not, you can't recognize why you're doing this or who you are. Or you're doing this. You keep chasing the money that that alleyway of darkness gets longer and longer every single time. Right. And there's going to be a point where during your entrepreneur journey, you know, there's things that you're going to ask yourself or question yourself. And by the time you turn around and realize that, you know, I've gone too far away from my, my mission on why I started to do business. And you look back, it's a long road to the light or you might not even see the light, you know? And by that time it's too late to regret. And I don't believe in regret anyways, um, to always stay true to why you're doing the business. Right. And I, my, and I'm going to share this with you, my personal mission on doing business to start off with in the first place was to give my, my guys that I served with an opportunity to work for an employer to, to make sure that I was taking care of them because I, I'm in debt of what they did to save my life, to have my house, you know, my wife and kids, you know, I mean, we're very, we're very blessed to, to have what we have. And I always kept that as, you know, I, I wrote in my notebook when I first started doing business with Animal, I wrote it in my notebook. This is the reason why I'm doing business. On days where I'm, you know, I'm frustrated or I'm getting, feel like I'm getting lost and I feel like, hey, you know, we're just chasing this money, but I'm, I'm losing a lot of things. I always go back and read that purpose because it resets you, right? And, and mm-hmm. it puts you back, it puts the pin back where it needs to be so that you're well balanced. Because I will, I will share this with you. You can have all the money in the world, but money's, happiness is the one thing that money cannot buy. And if you feel like money can buy you happiness, it's only temporary. It's not forever. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that purpose, that mission, that purpose, that mission is very, very important onto why you're doing this to anything in life, as a matter of fact, you know, but you got to know why you're doing it. You got to remember why you're doing it. And then you always got to look back at it, you know? And so I always say, you know, write down your purpose. It's not a goal. It's a purpose, right? My purpose is that I'm lucky to be alive today. I want to make sure that I'm impacting the veteran community. I'm making sure that I'm impacting the lives of the guys that I serve with, that, that if they need me, that they can pick up the phone and call me and I can do these certain things. But the most important of all is taking care of each other in this veteran community, especially the circle even gets a little smaller when you're a veteran entrepreneur because people that don't understand what you're doing are always going to be negative about what you're doing. And if you mm-hmm. sit and listen to them, you go nowhere. You go backwards. You don't go forward. And so people are going to want to inject, and I use the word inject very precisely. They're going to want to inject their feelings and their insecurities with you. You just got to remember what your purpose and what your mission is, and you got to move forward. And even if, even if by some odd chance that the business is not profitable or you have to shut it down, don't quit. Because that is truly your roadmap to your success, you know, and people sometimes I've seen entrepreneurs for the first time, you know, they'll, you know, they've been in business for a year or two and they're not doing well and they, they quit. They haven't even seen, seen the journey fully through yet. And they, and they, they've already walked away. You'll never know because that will always be in the back of your head until you, your door is closed down or you're done, you know, use that as a roadmap on what not to do. And that is a wonderful roadmap to have when you already have that, you know? So 
that's my advice. I mean, I'm ho- I'm ho- I hope that's helpful to anyone who's listening to that who needs that extra nudge. But, I mean, I'll be honest with you, uh, Amanda, you know, when I was starting Anvil, my family didn't even know I started it until, like, my, like, not my wife and kids, but, like, my, my dad and some of my relatives didn't even know I, I had the business until three or four years into the business because, you know, people, once again, you know, want to inject their insecurities on you and – if you're an entrepreneur, you got to have tough skin. Sorry. You, you, you got to yeah. move forward, you know, and there's only, there's only, there's only one way to look and that's forward. And you just yeah. keep going. And, you know, I am on my 11th year of being an entrepreneur and I'll be honest with you, I can never go back to that desk job. I won't go back. I had the only time I thought I was joking with my wife about this was that if I ever go back and sit at a desk job, it's because I'm going to go back and run the VA, but that's a, another conversation for another day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. I, I am going to hold you to that. <laughs> We're going to have that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad you joined us today and I'm so glad to have this podcast up for anybody who is not able to come and uh, have joined us for lunch on November 5th, uh, 2019, when you are going to be our speaker at, uh, during the luncheon. So we're very excited about that. That's in Bethesda. And until then, I'm looking forward to that. Will, yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. And uh, until then, we will have this podcast up so people can check in, find out more. <laughs> so thank you so much, HT. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Amanda?